You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. It is September 2018 and my name is Annette Nilsson and I'm in Melbourne and I have the opportunities to sit here with Sir, with Don Berwick and uh, looking forward to a talk about coaching. So Don, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, Annette, thanks for having me. I'm Don Berwick. I'm a pediatrician and president uh, emeritus and senior fellow at the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, IHI in Boston, Massachusetts. And you have done so much and we have followed you and you are a real role model in quality improvement and you have shown the way for so many uh, both topics and people and, and so on. So could you just tell a little about uh, what's in your mind when I asked you to talk a little about coaching? Because coaching a purpose, coaching countries, coaching so many people. What's in your thoughts, Don? I guess coaching is really part of a lot of my life and most people's. I'm a parent and a grandparent, so there's always the job of helping your children mm. grow and develop. And uh, I, um, I've had the privilege in my career of trying to work on improvement of health care. And what I've learned is um, there's there's no command and control about it. All of improvement is learning and people learn when they're ready to learn, when they're supported to learn and when they have mentorship. And I guess that's what we mean by coaching. So uh, mm. it, it's the idea of coaching is central to uh, central to the work I've done. And uh, IHI, the organization that I was privileged to start and lead, um, really ch- it searches the world for people who, who want to make changes, and it helps it helps them do that. It doesn't doesn't work with direction; it works with support. We often talk about competence and, and knowledge, but if I should talk a little about the skills when we talk about the art of coaching, mm. uh, when I've been watching you uh, so many times during these years, uh, I'm. I'm a little curious about your storytelling and how do you, how have you practiced your skills in that? It helps to be a, a, a physician. Uh, I mean, I was, when you're trained well as a doctor and I had wonderful teachers, uh, when you're with a patient, the job is hearing, learning, finding out where they are and going to their place, going to where they are. And that's the beginning of good coaching from my point of view. There's a wonderful phrase, I think it's a Zen phrase I was taught years ago, which is this, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm-hmm. And I love that. The, the growth and development is, is something that a person pulls from the world when they're ready. And I think a coach, maybe it's a person who is ready, who appears when the student is ready. So that means the process is to understand where people are, what their vision is, what they'd like to accomplish, mm. and answer the questions they have. So it starts with mm. their, your curio- their curiosity, not your own mm. agenda. Mm. I think that's pretty central to the mm. way I think about what So that's coaching. interesting. If I think you said it's not about control and no. demand, and to be aware when, when someone is ready... <laughs> 
uh, and how to train that competence because that could be hard to see when you should stand back because you have fallen in love with what you believe in and want to protect that from going wrong direction. Yeah, you know, uh, my coach uh, among them, uh, among my coaches was Paul Batalden, great close friend and mm. co-founder of IHI. And I remember a day many, many years ago when Paul had drawn a diagram of the, the journey of improvement, especially for leaders. And it was a series of boxes, different things happening. But box number one, the one right at the top, he put in the box curiosity. Hmm. So what he, what he was saying, and I, and I have come to believe it, is that it all begins with, with, with an authentic question that the person who's trying to grow or develop or improve or the, or the group they only, they only will progress when they're curious. And so for me as a coach, I guess, to, 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 to use your language, it's find their question. You know, what's on, what, what, what would they want? What do they want? And, and that's, you can talk about that. You can ask people that. But I think you've got to start there. If you think that coaching is pushing, you're wrong. It's, it's, mm. it's not pushing. It's, mm. it's uh, answering an invitation. Mm. But you're, you really live your message. Uh, the curiosity is always with you. Do you think we can stimulate our curiosity as humans? Or I think it's always there. I mean, I'm a pediatrician, and you know, you, every healthy child is constantly trying to find out something they don't yet know or trying to do something they can't yet do. It's, it's part of human nature, I think, to, to seek that. In, in the world of, of organizations and healthcare, it's all about the environment. The environment, the leadership environment, the, 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 uh, the tone of a place determines whether it's safe to be vulnerable, whether it's safe to ask a question, safe to express your desire to, 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 to want something, some new knowledge. Unfortunately, in many organizations, in many settings, and in many, among many leaders, that's not the game. The game is I'm smarter than you. Sit down mm -hmm. and listen. I have instruction mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think environments that elicit curiosity are, are, mm -hmm. are, are the best. But it's always there. It's just always mm -hmm. there. I mean, unless a person is seriously depressed or, or has some other trouble, they're, they're, mm -hmm. it's accessible. They will take their curiosity somewhere in their lives. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll do something with a hobby or, a, or, mm -hmm. a, or something they love. Mm -hmm. In coaching and in, in quality improvement and organizational improvement, uh, the idea is to liberate people to feel the same way about their work that they do about the things, the other things they love, mm. and where they, they grow and develop. Mm. Th there's another piece to this, which is I've learned it from my friend and mentor Marshall Gans, who talks about kind of three stages to activating. He wouldn't say mm. improve, but activating mm. action. He, he calls it self us now hmm. self is the first thing is who are you what do you want what's the meaning in your life what hmm. uh, what what matters to you hmm. personally and the second is us which is it, do we do we have any shared vision any shared intent in which we have confidence that if we do this together hmm. we're more likely to to feel fulfilled in our own personal lives, self, mm. us, and then mm. now, what's the urgency? Why, why act mm. now? And I think it's always in my mind in the coaching environment, which is what does this person really want? What, what, mm. what is important in their life that mm. you can connect to? Mm. 
Mm. Second, why would we be together? Mm. And then the third is, is there a need to act? And I, mm. I think that's a really good framework. But mm. it begins with self. Mm. Yeah, and that, that's also something that creates my curiosity. When you are a coach in a microsystem and, and you, you, you should support the work there and we do all humble try to, to be to help and facilitate, uh, it might be in one way easier to do this, you are very close to Gemba, you are part of it, you are, you are very uh, connected. But when you are a system coach and should work for maybe one hospital and so on, it's more skills to support that. And you who has worked with many countries at the same time and big, big numbers and big scale, mm -hmm. How to be so connected to Gemba to really, really then make the big numbers? And that I think the question's great. I mean, the, the, uh, it is a problem in organizations, in nations, when the leadership become disconnected from the realities of the daily lives of people. And good leaders do go to the Gemba. They go to the, to the, to the workplace and to the, to the home. And I, that's always important. Get out of your office and get down, you know, meet the real people. It takes time and, and uh, shoe leather. You have to be out there walking. Uh, I, I don't have a simple answer. I can tell you that from just personally for me, when I'm in a large group, like today I gave a lecture to, what, a thousand people, um, it's still only one at a time. They're, they're, I mean, there are faces and individuals with their stories out there, and I try to keep mindful of that. But everybody is unique. It's some ways one person at a time, even even when you're talking to a thousand. Mm -hmm. There are, I mean, isn't it must be the case also there are there are commonalities that we all have been children, we all have hobbies we love to do, we all have experienced disappointment or embarrassment or failure. And and I think that's another point of contact with individuals, even for a thousand people, if we start talking about sadness or joy or or, or, or loved ones or hobbies or children, they they'll we are all in that together. Maybe that's another point of contact, hmm. even for a very large... When you come up with ideas about Save 100,000 Miles campaign and so on and set the table for that, what was in, in your mind about this coaching, how to do this? Uh, well, first, uh, most of the stuff I've had the most luck in doing has been, always been with the groups, never alone. We say in IHI, never worry alone. And so if you take the 100,000 Lives campaign, for example, yes, I had that idea, but within a minute, it was a group, and we were together saying, hmm, that would be interesting, what do you think? And, and I'm, I'm a fan. It helps me to, to, to immediately recruit other people in, in a small group where, where it's us, not just me. I get energy from that, and it always will, will get better. Uh, the other theme that has emerged in my career, I, I, I don't know quite how to be clear about it, but it is that you're always better working with invitation than with direction. So people like to be invited. They don't like to be told. But if you invite them and you're serious, come in, you know, let's, how, how would you like to take that hill? How would you like to cook this meal? Um, everyone may not want to do it, but many will, and then then you're in a totally different dynamic with them, which is uh, you know it's it's a 
you made a place in which you invited people to make a choice to be with you. I always prefer that. I think it's better. I think the illusion of control and power is is very pervasive, and it is an illusion. You, 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 in the end, you don't tell people what to do. They, they, they may pretend to do it, but that's not real. Mm. Could you say something? You had a really nice speak today, as you mentioned, and about big scale change. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, what was the components you believed needs to be in place to be successful? Well, we, we're talking about bringing changes to scale today. The story is that there are many small or important inventions that, in improvement, say in healthcare safety or, or better outcomes for patients or better anything, and they tend to come up in local environments where inventors have or groups have done something really great, but they don't spread. And the question is, how do how do you spread them? So, so the talk today was about the science of that. How, what do we know? And we, we know is that there are certain attributes, certain properties of changes that make them more likely to spread, that keep it very simple, make sure that it's adapted to the local setting. Um, there, this we call that the change. Then there are properties of the messenger, you know, the person who's sending the message, and that's more what you were talking about earlier, which is go to the gamba. You have to be with the people. You can't throw it in like a grenade or a paper airplane. You have to actually be in relationship to send ideas. Dining room tables matter. And then the third part is the receiver. How, what is it about people that allow them to hear the change? And not everybody's the same. Some are always looking for good ideas. Others are waiting to see, is this really safe? And you have to understand the person you're dealing with and how safe do they feel? Do they, is the risk okay with them? Or do they need to hold back right now? And then most importantly is the fourth element. The first element's change. The second element is sending. The third element's receiving. The fourth element is environment. And that's where it really matters. That's a leadership issue about creating a context in which it's safe to learn. It's safe to try. And even safe to fail. And that's, uh, that's what good coaches do. I think, I think good coaches love failure. You know, they, because it represents effort to go to the next step. And uh, unfortunately, again, in organizations or political contexts, uh, it sometimes is the opposite, where the last thing you want to do is try something because you might fail and then you'll be in trouble. Hmm. You often also have book tips because you read mm -hmm. a lot. And yes. I think that is also connected to the person you are with the curiosity. And today you mentioned a, a book. Um, yeah, uh, books yeah. are important. I think uh, I, maybe it was made a sign of my aging, but I think a lot is known, a lot has been written, a lot of people have thought about what you're thinking about, and it, it's worth your time to go back and say, maybe somebody's thought of this before. And almost any question I've had in, in my work, actually, in any domain, you can find some really helpful stuff, and maybe it's from a thousand years ago, or maybe just ten years ago, but it's there. So today I was talking, we, the topic today was spreading change. And one of the great scholars in the field uh, was uh, Professor Everett Rogers. And the book that I mentioned is his, his, his most important book. It's called Diffusion of Innovation. And uh, it's a big book, six or 700 pages, but it's full of knowledge about what we now understand about how, how changes spread. So why would you not go there? Why would you not use what's available and then sure change it or throw it away or reject it but study it first so I'm uh, uh, 
I'm always curious to know who's thought about this before. Mm. If I could ask you a little also, quality improvement and coaching these uh, important uh, areas. Uh, what about yesterday, today and tomorrow? What's in your thoughts when you reflect around that? In the, in the quality improvement movement, you mean? Yeah, I think about how to set the coaching skills in the right direction. Oh, it was yeah. something when you started 20 years ago, or was it 30 now, 25 mm -hmm. maybe? More. Yeah. More? 30? Well, yeah. When did you start? Uh, really the mid-1980s, like 86, 87, Oh, it's so I, far away. Oh, yeah, my God. It's a long time But ago. IHI, when did that? IHI was founded in 1991. Yeah. Oh, 1991. Almost and I think Jan joined in sometimes in the 19th in the end. Maybe. Late, yeah. late. We've been together with Jan Shipping forever. It's yeah, uh, yeah, been yeah. such a so, wonderful part. Yeah. So, what what you think? Because uh, you were talking today also that uh, everything is changing yeah. in our way of living. Yeah. And, and that influences, of course. Yes. Uh, well, for me, uh, I think I've changed over the years. When we started, I thought there were techniques that were dominant, the improvement model, the technical statistics and process analysis and operations research, and they're very important sciences and still important. But the older I've gotten, the more I believe in the importance of emotional, uh, the emotional side. You know, if people don't feel good and valued and loved and able to express themselves, the rest doesn't really work very well. So I think they have gotten more and more interested in the emotional environment that we need to create for each other. Now in a world where politically things have turned so nasty, that has a political side to it, which is we've got, I, I just think humanity's got to recall compassion and solidarity and mutuality as central to its own survival. And in some funny way, the, the best of improvement, which is about cooperation and compassion and listening needs to become its, it's relevance to, to social to politics and society today so that that's that's an evolution uh, in the field I mean there's a lot that's wonderful and new uh, I think probably technology is a big one because now uh, IHI's impact for example is so much greater potentially because of the internet and the web and the, the use of artificial uh, intelligence and and uh, Uh, to, uh, electronic ways to communicate with each other. And generationally, of course, we now have the whole new generation, the, gen the millennials, uh, who understand ways to work together and be together and communicate together that are so much user-friendlier than we had. You don't have to get on an airplane. You just pick up your iPhone. I think that's wonderful. And I think the potential for shared learning is just, I mean, it's exploded. Hmm. So what would be a good investment for being a good coach, both for today and for the future, you think, to really... As an individual? Yeah, so to... Uh, humility. I mean, hmm. uh, you know, learn, learn to listen. Hmm. Remember, you're, you're not going to be coaching by telling people. You'll be coaching by hearing people. And then trust them and you know use uh, use their resources for their purposes help help them become the people they want to be and you'll be much better much better 
uh, much more help. You'll also discover the beauty of all this, which is we're all the same. You know, in the end, mm. we're all the same. And so the mm. people you're trying to coach are just like mm. you. And I think that would be a really mm. good thing to realize. Mm. Um, there is an edge to this, though, and I think that is uh, the political edge I talked about before. Mm. It's not enough anymore just to, you have to take a stand also, a moral stand. Mm. That, that's, that's a political position, mm. but I, I mm. feel it strongly. My experience is also that uh, when you work <coughs> with coaching, with all humble, but you need to be connected with other coaches, mm. with other people. Yeah. And I can see for, from my experiences being at conferences like this, meet people, talk and, and also listen to others' experiences and you have been running meeting places like this yeah. big, big meeting places for many years. What's your thought about that for the future? Will we have these big meeting places or, or what's your yeah. thought? It won't, it won't go. Sure we will. Sure we will. Some will be virtual. Some will be real. But your, your point is, is a wonderful one, which is, yeah, absolutely. Other people are also trying to be coaches too, like you, and never worry alone. And you're always together. And, oh, I think the, to me the... Uh, the thing I love most about these meetings is, is reunion, you know, seeing you and your colleagues from Yenchaping and get and then saying, What's the news? What what's new with you? What do you what have you what do you know today that I that, that I should know? Mm. Um, so the ability to help each other learn among the coaches, I think it's mm. a really good point. This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden.